Hey everybody, Chuck here. We've got an amazing episode today, but before we jump into that, I'd like to ask you to please hit the pause button and either make a note for yourself to follow up or just directly pop over to your social media or soaring forum of choice and help spread the word about this show to your friends or user groups that you know are interested in aviation or soaring. You know, we invest a lot of our time into this show and for no financial gain. We're doing this to help grow interest and participation in the sport of soaring around the world. And we can't do it without your help. Only a handful of you contribute via Patreon, but that's okay. You can help in other ways, like spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy this episode. What's it like flying right on the coast and you're over the ocean and you know, where do you land and if the wind stops? What's that like? Yeah, at the beginning it's really some kind of strange because you know you are flying above the ocean and also the outlanding possibilities as you already told. This is Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. Coming to you from the mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and bringing you great soaring content from glider pilots all over the globe. We now join Chuck and our guest pilot. Hello and welcome to another episode. We told you we had some exciting things planned for 2022. And yes, we've already had some great episodes this year. And this one, I'm telling you, is no exception. Now, today we had the pleasure to bring you two great glider pilots who also have the highest viewed gliding videos on the planet, totaling nearly 85 million views. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy hearing Bruno Vassell and Stefan Longer as they meet for the very first time and share their experiences and stories with us right here on Soaring the Sky. Hey everybody, this is Bruno Vassell IV, and I am today's guest host for Soaring the Sky podcast. And today I am here with Stefan, is it Longer? How do you, how do you pronounce your last name? Langer. Langer. Oh, yeah, love it! That's love totally it. fine. <laughs> American accent, Langer. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm awesome. here with I'm here with Stefan, and really excited to first of all meet you. It's really nice to meet you. Yeah, and, first time uh, that we meet each other. Yes, yes. So, so I think we've you know communicated a couple of times, just commenting on each other's uh, videos or things. Uh, but uh, yeah, really nice to meet you, and looking forward to uh, to getting to know you better. So, uh, first of all. Uh, Stefan, I, I notice a little bit of an accent. So, are you from Chicago, New York? Where, where, where are you from? I'm from Germany, and I'm trying to speak English <laughs> somehow. And I have no plan about any accents. And also, yeah, other languages like French and so on—they are not perfect. <laughs> There you go. Well, um, I don't speak German or else we'd be doing this interview in German, but uh, I do have a little helper. So let me let me uh, see if I can uh, can do. Here we go. Sorry, I'm not cool enough to speak in German because I went to an English school uh, in the United States. Here we go. Tut mir leid, dass ich nicht cool genug bin, um Deutsch zu sprechen, weil ich eine Englischschule in den Vereinigten Staaten besucht habe. There you go. Is that pretty good? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, we don't need to speak English or German or anything. All right. Well, hey, let's let's jump into this because uh, super excited um, to, to better understand 
what makes Stefan tick. And uh, the reason why we're talking is uh, let's uh, at least uh, introduce you a little bit. So Stefan, he is a YouTube gliding star. In fact, uh, I don't know of anybody else that has more uh, video views on uh, YouTube or probably any kind of social media than Stefan does. I was taking a look uh, this morning and as of this morning, he has uh, his gliding videos have been viewed over 51 million times and he has 165,000 subscribers. So um, congratulations. That, 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 that's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. But you also did great. Um, at least I think till one year ago, we were like the same at the same level. And at the beginning, you were a giant. You had so many um, subscribers and so many more views and so on. So um, I thought 100,000 subscribers at this level, we will meet somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then I took the lead. <laughs> you did. And well, you've been you've been making yeah. amazing content. So yeah, I, I'm just a little bit over 100,000 subscribers. And I think I'm out of like 34 million views. But what's cool about that is the two of us combined, we are over, um, I mean, we're close to 85 million views. And what's what's cool about that is is not 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 for us, but for the gliding community and in the world is uh, you know people are seeing gliders flying and and uh, uh, you're introducing to millions of people uh, you know the amazing sport of gliding. So uh, really cool stuff. So fun stuff. And I think uh, you were the first one who uh, reached such a wide audience. So there you are the the number one and wow. you also helped me a lot um to um push these videos because um you made this audience with these um million views and then um if a video with a similar topic is also picking up um the algorithm suggests other videos and so on so we help each other to grow i would say um, yeah, so yeah. every other creator youtuber and gliding youtuber is good for all of us because we push more these uh, this gliding video stuff on the Excellent. Internet. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, towards the end of this, a little bit about making videos and how do you get seen. But going back to, I think, really the pioneers, um, I, I have to give a shout out to uh, Matt, um, Matt Wright. Uh, is, yeah. is it Baleka? And uh, he he inspired me and, and he and I for a couple of years were, were neck and neck. Uh, making videos and and he just uh, he made an amazing video so shout out to uh, to matt and uh we miss you buddy and uh, uh so uh yeah. you were talking about content and uh, actually yours and my content are a little bit different so like for example one of my videos would be like why did my glider shrink over the winter time or you know <laughs> maybe if i complain a lot i can go faster uh, you know, yet you are doing these epic, you know, ridge or, or beach uh, flying things or you're flying, you know, old gliders. Um, so it's fun to see that each person has different type of content and a little bit different styles. And, th and that's what keeps it fresh and interesting. So it's fun. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's just jump right in. And first of all, let's get to know you a little bit better. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, how old are you? You know, what do you do for yeah. work? Uh, do you work? Um, <laughs> do you just make videos? You know, do you have any hobbies outside of gliding? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm now 29 years old. Um, I have, I think, about 2,300 gliding hours so far. Um, I started gliding with the age of 14. So that's the earliest um, time age where you can start here in Germany. 
And yeah, I experienced many different kinds of competitions, um, um, flew in many different countries already. Um, and that's what I try to capture also on the videos. Um, other hobbies than gliding. <laughs> I think you also know that it is a lot of uh, power which you put into the hobby gliding, a lot of time and so on. Um, I try to ride um, mountain bike and race bike as well. Um, and then every year um, I, I'm at a vacation with non-gliding friends as well. So um, these are the things I do off topic from gliding, I would say, but there's not so much time left uh, anymore. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, what, do, yeah. What, what do you do for work? Um, I studied mechanical engineering. Um, the studies took relatively long, but I finished them with a bachelor thesis. And then I decided um, to make a half a year um, that I don't work so that I take off um, after the studies um, because I um, was participating in the Junior World Gliding Championships uh, this year. I think it was 2017 or so in Lithuania. And, Wait a second. Um, so you can, you can participate when you're 29 years old in the junior? No, no. Yeah, you're yeah, cheating. It was, it was, <laughs> How'd you tell it, them you were? <laughs> it you was had to shave your beard. In the year 2017, <laughs> when I participated, and there I was already, uh, I think, 25 years old or so. Um, okay. Yeah, this might work out somehow with the dates. Yeah, and there at this time, there was the Open Vario project. It's an open source glide computer project where I was involved a little bit um, also during my studies. And then um, some of the developers um, had the idea that it would be great to have someone um, selling these devices, the hardware for the Open Vario glide computer, because mm -hmm. um, there might be some other software developers who want to join. There are a lot of other people who don't have the knowledge of um, soldering, electronics, and sourcing all the parts. And uh, that was the beginning when I started this kind of business. Um, the brand name is Stefly. And um, that's, I would say, my main job at the moment. But also YouTube is um, nearly half of the part already. And I love doing these videos i love flying gliders and so on so it's perfect uh, to <laughs> to make all this flying and flying videos and so on so, uh, no it's it's fantastic because yeah. um you know people have asked me why don't you do more videos and things and the reality is is i've got a wife and three kids and a very busy job and just don't have the time so it's fantastic that you can dedicate so much time to it and again you, you do a great job Oh, ah, good. Well, let's uh, let's kind of start at the beginning. What got you even into uh, wanting to do gliding videos? Uh, you know, did did you just, you know, you were gliding and you just threw a camera in and put it up, or did you think, you know, what I'm going to be the world's number one, you know, gliding <laughs> video um, producer? You know, did you have have a goal at the beginning? You know, how'd you get started? Mm. I did not really had a goal at the beginning. Um, I've seen videos from you from. Uh, Matt Wright from Baleka and others, also other YouTubers or YouTube videos from uh, other sports as well and so on. And there I had some idols, I would say. And yeah, at the beginning it was more, uh, I wanted to um, show my friends in the school and uh, yeah, just friends who are not familiar with gliding um, 
that they can get into this hobby and see what I'm doing and where I'm flying and perhaps in, at a competition in a different country and so on. So at the beginning, it was more to show others also non-glider pilots in my um, from the family and friends mm -hmm. uh, that they see what I'm doing there. And then I had good possibilities to get to um, Namibia, to uh, South Africa and so on. I think that was a good starting point to make more, let's say, interesting videos also for the gliding community because it's a, these are areas where not all the glider pilots from Germany go to and fly there. So something new to show to others. And yeah, from time to time, it, it developed that I, it was more and more fun also to see as well these, uh, uh, the wider audience. But I think uh, 2019, this was the year when it was getting more serious, I would say, from the, from the views, from the subscribers and so on. So it's only two, perhaps three years ago when it really started to, yeah, get some kind of a smaller job. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds familiar. I, you know, for for me, for example, um, I I started filming in my Phoebus. I mean, this was a long time ago, and it was really I just have so much fun in the air. I thought it would be neat to relive it, and so I'll take a camera with me. And this was more just a personal thing. And then, um, you know, I got an ASW twenty and started doing some longer flights and and recording it. Again, it was not thinking really of sharing it with the world, but I thought eh, I'll just throw it up on on YouTube to save it, you know, as a as a platform. And then people started watching it, and then it just you know exploded like you. So mm -hmm. I, it sounds like both of us. It was just a, kind of a personal thing, um, yeah. and then it the world took interest and we thought, Oh, we'll, we'll just do some more. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. totally true. Um, it's really so fun. speaking about uh, flying around the world, you have done, you know, way more than, than me. I, I pretty much only fly in my backyard. It seems like, um, let's start with Namib Namibia. So it's, uh, the, the airport is Veronica, correct? Yes. I was uh, at Bitterwasser and at Veronica. So, okay, in, so two, uh, different. two different, um, airfields at the beginning we were in Bitterwasser uh, there we had a project called flying with the youngsters so um, young younger German good pilots um, trained other um, pilots who didn't fly in Namibia so they get coached a little bit in this area and so on this was the project why I was in Namibia and uh, of course uh, it was a little bit cheaper to be there. We didn't need to rent the glider. Uh, but then I also had the opportunity to fly the Twin Shark um, yeah. in Veronica as well. And it was also really great to see uh, other airport, airfield there because Bitterwasser, it's a huge um, pan. It's, I think they call it salt pan or so. So mm -hmm. um, it's a dry area, which is about two to even three kilometers in diameter. So really huge um, area where you can start with your glider in every direction and land in every direction. That's really great. But um, Veronica is more um, the, the normal ground or sand floor, sand ground, I don't know how to call it. Um, I think Veronica feels more like Namibia from the dunes and from the sand color and everything. And Bitterwasser is just something something really special and 
different also with the palms with the palma lee and everything so it sounds like if you're going to go down to namibia you need to go visit both because you get a little bit different experience from both yes i would say um it would be it's the best if you can have a look at both there are also some i think two or three more um which i weren't there so um there's even something other than that um i think the bitterwasser it's the biggest one and you also need to um want that you are with let's say 80 other people 80 other pilots in the restaurant and so on there so it's a big crowd there um it is fun if you like to be in a huge uh, with so many other people yeah. but in veronica it's a little bit smaller and more familiar and yeah so both have their ups and downs um i think from the price point it's nearly the same the biggest um biggest numbers are the the rent renting fees for the gliders sure and um the habitation and everything it's i think there's not a big difference okay so uh while you were there you were flying a twin shark at least some of the time and i know you did a review on the twin shark uh, just, you know, really quickly, uh, your final analysis for those people that haven't seen that, uh, those videos, uh, what's it like to fly a twin shark? Um, it's really great to fly. Um, you can, let's say, compare it somehow with the Arcus, I would say. Some details are a little bit better. Some others are um, not as good. Um, one, yeah, perhaps it... it if it's an uh, advantage or not, I don't know. Um, the fuselage is a little bit smaller, so the um, the rear pilot, the co-pilot, um, has a little bit less space to sit in there. So I could but... fit one leg into the rear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so perhaps for, for you, it's not the best to sit uh, in the rear seat. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is really a great manufactured glider. The front seat um, is perhaps even wider than uh, in the Arcus. And um, yeah, the, the wings, the shape of the wings, um, it's an oh, elliptical wing, so it looks different. I have heard so many people, they say that the Twin Shark looks awful because of the shape and it doesn't look nice and so on. But um, yeah, if you get used to the look, if you fly the glider, you think, well, why does these champiered gliders have these edges in the wing? It can't be good for the aerodynamics and so on. So I think it's something you need to experience and learn and also the complete flying experience, the forces on the on the stick and everything. It's really, really well developed and designed. Also the manufacturing quality, there's nothing which is which looks bad. And yeah. this was the prototype which we were flying. So I think it's a great alternative to the... Um, other double seaters on the market um, from the glide ratio and performance. I'm not sure if there's a big difference and so on, but also with these double seaters, usually you fly them in other countries like uh, Namibia, South Africa, and you want to have this experience with a second person. And it's not always about the best performance in a competition. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, speaking of best performance though, you, you got to see the, um, you, you pronounced it interesting. It's the Nimeta or Nimita or how do you say it? (laughs) I just call it like we call it in Germany, Nimeta, but, um, your pronunciation is the the better one for (laughs) the the Nimita. So this is a, up to a 31 meter, uh, wide wing glider. Um, there's only one in the world. And uh, if, if I uh, understood you correctly, um, I, I love the owner's name. You know, his first name is yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Bruno, Bruno something. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, that glider, th- this is, uh, you know, pro- I guess you could say the, the biggest glider in the world. What was that like to see in person? Just Soaring, the makers of the Glider Sim Pro Sailplane Simulator Cockpit, would like to congratulate German pilot Ben Fest for his recent victory in the first ever FAI-sanctioned aviation esports event in history, the Sailplane World Grand Prix, which Ben won after several days of exciting competition against some of the top Condor soaring pilots from around the world. If you are looking for a best-in-class dedicated sailplane simulator cockpit for Condor or Microsoft Flight Sim, look no further than the Just Soaring Glider Sim Pro. Check them out at JustSoaring.com or at Just.Soaring on Instagram. It was really amazing to see, especially with this, um, let's say, more narrow uh, runway and the trees on the side. Uh, It looks really kind of sketchy to see this glider start there and land there. Um, Yeah, the the wings are so flexible on the ground if there's no um, airflow or no, um, if it doesn't have any airspeed, then the wings are nearly um, on the ground. Mm. It just looks unreal, I would say. Um, but seeing this glider then in the air, I have met uh, Bruno um, sometimes in the air because you are flying in the same area there, and it, it looks great, really outstanding. And um, yeah, could you quickly see the difference between his glider and yours as you were flying together, or or not necessarily? Um, yeah, it was once I met him uh, when I flew the Ventus Three from Bitterwasser, and there. I thought, oh, my Ventus is not so bad, or this Ventus is not so bad yeah. uh, compared to the Nim Eta. But afterwards, when I was in Veronica, because he was staying there at this time, um, I heard that he was flying without water ballast. So um, he was completely empty, and this huge wing area and wingspan um, without the um, wing loading, uh, for sure it is uh, completely different, and you can't compare it with with a Ventus 3 with 600 kilograms of um uh, he's smart because anytime somebody beats me, I just say, oh, I was dry. So, you know, it, it, it's a great excuse. <laughs> All yeah. right. So other places you've flown around the world. I've seen videos from you in, for example, New Zealand or the Alps. So let's jump to New Zealand. So yeah. it looks like you got to uh, be there during a competition or tell us about that experience. Yeah. Um, it was before the pandemic in 2000, I think, 19, beginning of 2020. Um, I was in New Zealand at Turing Gliding, uh, Drury Gliding Club in near Auckland. It's on the Northern Island, yes. And there was at a competition. Uh, it was some kind of funny competition because there were no, not so strict rules like we do here in Germany and, and like the international rules because it was more like you should turn some points, um, but you don't need to turn or fly to them and you need to make a 
the biggest distance of the day um, from from the old sea rules and so on. So it was funny to see that they also have some other more fun competition forms than we do here. So um, yeah, it's not only serious. <laughs> yes, it's, it's fun too. Only, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took it really serious. I would say <laughs> a little bit too serious sometimes, um, but um, yeah, and that was really fun. And the best thing. Um, from this organization there was that um, some days the weather conditions were not so good there at the airfield and they just took the trailer with a car and they drove to to the mountain ridges somewhere or to the coastline and then we took off at a different airfield and we had a lot of fun flying it this day and from the other um, airport from Drury it wouldn't be possible to make a flight this day so so the yeah. bad weather actually was good for us because we got to see you be crazy on the coastline so um you've got a video of flying low you know right over the the ocean and the breaking waves um right on the coastline and what was that like because i mean we've, we've seen a couple of videos I, I don't know if it's up in uh in the netherlands or holland or something they do mm -hmm. that sometimes up there but uh what's it like flying right on the coast and you're over the ocean and you know, where do you land and if the wind stops what's that like yeah at the beginning it's really some kind of strange because you know you are flying above the ocean and also the outlanding possibilities as you already told were not great always so there are different spots where you can land at the beach as well but it's not great to get the glider back in the trailer and back to the airfield <laughs> um but then if you fly there for, let's say, two hours or even more, then it is usual for you that um, the lift is generated by the wind at the cliffs and you know the spots where you can expect a little bit of better lift and so on. So uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's a little bit of risk as well because you get used to it. You think it always works and you don't think about what happens if um, the wind stops or anything like this so um yeah but the experience of course and um, the stress level is higher um, than flying here in germany in the flatlands where you are high above um the the ground um yeah so i think also me i'm enjoying the videos even more than i enjoyed flying there at this moment because um yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little yeah. bit more you don't have the stress and you can just enjoy it yeah well that, that... It, it was in such an amazing experience uh yeah i oh, can't funny. believe it even if i watch the videos uh, these days uh, so great to to do things like this i got to give you a hard time you mentioned uh, that in germany you fly high above the ground so yeah. <laughs> here in utah if we are three thousand meters above the ground we feel low <laughs> so so anyway just, just yes. everything's relative right yeah but you should also come to new zealand and fly there on the northern oh. island and <laughs> i have I, I have really yeah, <laughs> I, I have facebook friends in in uh, new yeah. zealand and they they say bruno keep coming down and i want to but uh haven't gotten there yet someday yeah plan on doing it yeah i've seen a video from uh, simon gold or you sent some a video to Simon Gold, which I also integrated in one of my videos there um, from New Zealand, I think so, yeah, um, oh, where you fun. was telling us something that we should have a good competition and you would also like to be there and so on. 
Yeah, yeah. I did that out in the parking lot of my of my office. It was all snowy and you guys were having fun. So (laughs) now that's good. Now, I've also seen videos of you flying the Alps. So um, are these the the French Alps or, you know, the Italian Mm. Alps? What Alps are we talking about? Um, Yeah, different, um, different areas in the Alps. Um, I'm last year I made some or one video where I traveled by glider a little bit there I flew in the Austrian Alps at the German Alps um but I would say I've only about 10 flying days in the German and Austrian Alps so I'm not really experienced in this area and then I was twice in uh, southern France um that's the area where most of the yeah, Germans and Europeans are flying because it's a little bit easier there and um, the season is a little bit longer so you can start earlier in the year and um, also in perhaps yeah, mid of September you can have great flights there. This is, I would say, one of the greatest areas to start also flying in, in, in the Alps. And then uh, last year I was at the Eaglide competition in Varese. I don't know how to <laughs> spell it in English. It's in Italy. Um, okay. Above these great lakes, you're flying above Lago di Como uh, and so on. So there, there are great areas where you can have a good vacation also on the ground. Um, and it was uh, from, from the scenery, it was really fantastic there as well. And with the oh, electric gliders, we enjoyed it a lot, but it's not always easy <laughs> at the end of the season to fly there in the mountains and then also to have the electrical motor it is not getting easier with this and it's not getting safer i would say it's it's more that you push more and harder and then just take the engine the motor if you feel the, you want to have some more meters above the mountain so that you can make a turn and so on it's also stressful somehow but uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, I love the stress of gliding when, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking, oh, I might land out in a field and then my wife is going to be mad that she has to, you know, I'm going to be late for, for dinner or something. But, it, you know, that's fun. That kind of stress is fun. What's not fun is you're in the middle of the mountains and you think I have no place to land. And that's fear. And that's not fun. You know, the, you know, fun stress of, you know, I might be inconvenienced. That's great. But fear itself is not fun. So, you know, the, the goal is that we we push it to as much as we can to have fun, but not to get to the, the fear stage of things, you know, where we're putting ourselves at risk. So, you've, you know, you've flown all these different places. Uh, if you had to make a list, what would be the top three places that you would still love to go to and fly someday? Hmm. Top three. Um, I, I would pick South Africa, most probably New Zealand. Um, well, you've already been the there. World. You've already been there. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you? Are, okay. So not so the new, new places. New places. Okay. Um, Chile. Chile. Yes. Uh, was would be at the highest priority. Um, U.S. America as well your place, <laughs> your playground. <laughs> and hmm, I don't know <laughs> which other place. I'm just happy that you I said my place. So, you know, we're, we're good. <laughs> there you, are, you're invited. You have, you have a guest bedroom at my house and, uh, you know, come, come, come fly in Nephi, Utah. 
thank you <laughs> yeah um i think there are some other places um which we don't know that they even exist um so perhaps even japan indonesia i think there are great countries where you can try to fly gliders but we don't know if it is fun or good or um, how it looks like there and so on so i think there are some on on a list which um, might be interesting for the future as well but we don't know <laughs> yet yeah yeah now uh do you have what are your plans for this season do you uh, where are you planning on flying this year so this year is 2022 um this year um perhaps i will um drive to southern france at the beginning of the season uh, let's say four weeks or so um but it's not completely um safe if i will do so then at easter we have a small competition in our club usually i was at this time i was in uh, in at a first competition but this year because my club want to host a small competition for the club members i think it is more fun to join them as well then i will be in sweden at the grand prix sailplane grand prix qualifying sailplane grand prix Afterwards, I will fly the German nationals and club class. And then uh, perhaps at the beginning of August, I will be in Bosnia and Herzegovina for another sailplane Grand Prix. But let's see if everything works also with the pandemic and if I have the time and if I want to fly so many competitions. But also the, the Grand Prix competition task, I'm there somehow different to the normal competitions and also it's like a family you're there with with some friends with a smaller group of pilots sitting there and being there at different restaurants and so on in this group and it is just a lot of fun and it is it doesn't feel like a, a real international competition yeah. Yeah, sounds like fun. Well, tell you what, all of uh, us fans of yours, we we hope that you fly a whole bunch and that you take a, a lot of great videos. So, uh, yeah, good mm -hmm. luck with all those. I will try. Let's keep going <laughs> to now uh, your own glider. So just, I think recently, within the last couple of years, you acquired an LS3. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, about a little more than one year ago, um, I bought an LS3 because um, I tested an LS3 from my team partner um, who was flying with me at the World Gliding Championships last year. And there, I wanted to have a good glider to fly with him uh, together. And I found it really interesting, the LS3, because you have the flaps as well. And um, so it is not really a club glass glider anymore. The performance is much better you can also fly faster with this uh, glider and so on so comparing it to the standard libel which i owned some years ago it is a big step uh, in between so uh, yeah it's yeah I, I, have, I have three yeah i have three very close friends that have ls3s and and they fly great and they love them yeah it's really an amazing glider for when you consider that this glider is really old mine is from 1977 uh, and yeah but with a new um, new paint job and retrofit some winglets and new avionics and everything. Uh, it is a great glider 
together with my brother, I also have uh, not, uh, an ASD29, so <laughs> I can choose which glider I want to fly. But uh, yeah. What a terrible no, problem to have. <laughs> no, I really want to fly the LS3 because um, there are still some points to optimize to, um, yeah, to seal some parts better and so on. So the performance was not at the point I wanted to have this glider at the Worlds, I would say. But um, yeah, there are still some small um, areas where Mod I can improve yeah, the glider. And, so, so my friends, they, they did some wing fillets, you know, at the root of the wings. Um, have you done any, any modifications to where your wings attached to the fuselage? Um, there, yeah, at, at the flap, um, at the fairing at the flap there, um, I also have this milar ceiling, um, because, um, that's really necessary, but I need to, um, make a new one and so on. They, they get, um get destroyed really quick um, when you rig the glider often yeah. and so on. So Our longtime sponsor of the show, the Soaring Academy, is engaged in nonprofit outreach work with local area veterans and also with young people for the STEM programs at their top-notch glider port facility just outside of Los Angeles, nestled near the north side of the San Gabriel Mountains. They also have a fantastic flight school and are continuing to turn out great glider pilots every month. If you like to donate to their nonprofit initiatives or learn more about their flight school, go to soaringacademy.org or check them out on Instagram at Soaring Academy. One of the first videos I ever saw of yours was you flying a vintage historic glider. Um, I know you've got uh, one where you flew a 1938 something. You also flew an ASK 13. Um, yes. These are... Uh, I don't know how you really describe them. I, um, these are open cockpit gliders. And so, I mean, you're sitting in the wind and uh, they're just amazing. I think you maybe even did it off of a winch. Um, yeah. what, what's it like flying these, I mean, gliders that are 90 years old? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, um, especially with the open cockpit, because when you look to the outside and make a steep turn and so on, uh, oh. it's <laughs> more freedom than sitting in a closed canopy yeah that's really amazing this feeling and if you do some more fun perhaps even a little bit of turns and not really aerobatics but um some yeah. fun kind of stuff <laughs> and then yeah it, it is great especially if the weather is not too good and you don't miss a good cross-country day then uh, it is perfect to fly and also i flew with this sk 13 some years ago with friends um have no experience with with a glider and it is great because they don't get sick in the air because they are sitting outside in the airflow so if you um have a friend with you who is not familiar with the um, air movements and is flying a glider for the first time and you are thermaling circling in a yeah, let's say a bad um, thermal then some people might get sick and oh, motion sick, or I don't know how to call it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, in, in an open cockpit, it is a lot better. <laughs> okay, but I could see how if you're sitting behind them and you're in an open cockpit and they get sick, that, that could actually get really mm. messy quick. This, <laughs> yeah, you know, this video was, um, there, I was not the pilot. Um, the, the girl yeah. in front of me was the pilot. And I was just flying with this glider because it's the my my first gliding club. I'm now in a different one, but still there. I pack and parachutes and so on. It, it 
my first gliding club. Yeah, there I just made uh, one of the last flights because this was also the glider where I made my first solo flight, but with a closed canopy on this specific ASK-13. And yeah, so there are a lot of emotions also in this glider and they sold it because yeah, they wanted to have some mod more modern glider for the training. Um, yeah. yeah. Any of these vintage gliders, were you ever able to actually get into a thermal and climb or is it pretty much just a, a glide because the performance is, is, is pretty, pretty limited? With the ASK-13 and also with the K-8 and so on, it is um, not a problem. There I made also my 50-kilometer flight with the K-8 when I was uh, in the training. And um, so with these type of gliders, it's good. But the one which I flew in uh, Czech Republic um, at the HPH factory, um, this one was so let's say bad from the aerodynamics and so on so there it is really hard to to get a climb and yeah. i messed it up i think uh, it would have been possible but i was flying too fast i thought yeah um <laughs> i need to fly let's say 60 or 80 kilometers an hour <laughs> but this glider can fly much slower and the drag is already very high when you fly so fast this one so and also the communication with the pilot in this open cockpit and um, I think he didn't speak English so well, so it was really hard to communicate. <laughs> um, and there you should have tried also, German with him. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> there, I I thought mm, with uh, and also the this glider was so lightweight, and you couldn't jump out of the glider because of the um, higher wing and so on. Uh, so we had no parachute with us, and uh, this combination was some kind of sketchy to fly such an old glider <laughs> and yeah. uh, without parachute and so on. So one of the things that I really respect about you is that you have some videos where you share openly mistakes that you have made in the past. So um, I've, I've also done that on a couple of videos. One of mine is called uh, something like two turns that almost killed me or something. And, and uh, that video might not look very dramatic, but those were two turns that really could have killed me. And I wanted to share it with others. And you've been very open yourself about some mistakes you've made. Are, are you willing to talk about some of those videos and, and kind of uh, what has been the response from people that have watched those videos? Yeah, um, recently I uploaded a video when I made an outlanding at a competition with my standardly belt some years ago, I think four years ago. And um, yeah, this outlanding was really not a perfect example how to make an outlanding it was everything <laughs> it got you my can heart do wrong <laughs> everything you can do wrong <laughs> i made there but luckily it ended um good and i was on the ground everything was okay on the glider and me so yeah this video i uploaded uh four years ago on youtube and it was one of the first videos when i noticed mm, you really need to take care what you upload on YouTube as well, because there were so many people, so many comments which said you cannot fly gliders and you need to stick to a safety altitude and so on. And it also gets really close to you if so many bad comments are there and so on. And that's why I didn't want to react to this video directly afterwards. I had planned it, but then I didn't do and then, yeah, now in the winter time, you know as well that um, you don't have so much content and then it's great to 
reuse some videos as well. And I thought um, this is one which might help others as well. Yeah. And um, also the response was really great in the comment section. Um, so I think it all it, such videos really helps us a lot, um, everyone. And it is also good to to upload, let's say, bad flying videos if you don't get into trouble with um, some FAA or <laughs> things Yeah, like I've been kind of quiet the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is really hard sometimes also. How do you cope with um, these, let's say, bad comments or, yeah, when, when some of your viewers um, don't like what you're doing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So the answer is I agree with them almost all the time. So uh, many of my haters, uh, they're like, hey, you know, hey, look at those, uh, those sausage fingers. You know, how do you even fit in the cockpit? <laughs> so wow. I'm like, yeah, actually, you're, you're right. So I mean, obviously, they're being rude. But um, f for the most part, when they're talking about the, the flying and the gliding, I have personally put up some videos that of doing some maneuvers that, um, I would not do anymore. And so, you know, the question is, is do you take it down? Um, you know, I, I was maybe a little bit more aggressive in my younger years shooting through mountain gaps or something like that. And it was really fun and really thrilling, but it's like, you know, is that really a great, um, representation of our sport? And it's like, no, that's, that's when you're at the extreme. And, and I recognize that. And so a lot of it is, is, you know, there are a lot of obscure, mean people on the internet. And if you're going to post, you know, personal content, then you should expect that there's going to be some, uh, some, some backlash and, you know, don't post it on the internet if you're not willing to, you know, have a couple of haters. Um, but uh, hmm. let's go back to your video where you talk about, uh, you know, that, uh, that landing. I watched that uh, about a week ago and um, I, I, I really had some, some pucker in my seat, you know, watching the very last time when, when you, you thought you caught a thermal and you turned away from the field. I'm like, no, don't do it and stuff. But um, the way that you then posted and you made comments on it showed, um, I guess, a level of respect and um, willingness to learn from your mistakes and share your mistakes. And so, um, you know, uh, my guess is, is, and it sounds like that you weren't getting very, you know, a lot of hate comments from that video. Um, I do have to, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. So I, this has been a really easy video, but I'm going to put you on the spot on something. You made a video and, and again, you could do the exact same thing back to me with some of my videos, but you made a, a video in Bosnia where you were yeah. in a competition and you, <laughs> it looked like so much fun. And you were, you were low on the terrain, uh, low and slow on the terrain. And um, it just looked like so much fun. But also as a pilot, I was thinking the margins are incredibly low, um, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, having a problem. Did you get a lot of backlash from that video? And, <laughs> yes. But, you know, and, and what did you maybe learn from it? But uh, again, I, I loved watching it, but it was, mm -hmm. it was pretty dramatic. Yeah. This was really one, I would say, the, the video which got the most emotional comments and also some fr really friends um, texted me via WhatsApp and so on, um, 
that I can't do it, can't do it, and that especially I should not upload such a video and so on. So this was one thing which was where I realized um, perhaps this is really not the best to fly like this and to post a video about it. But then, yeah, in such a video, you cannot see um, everything. The The field oh, yeah. oh, of view yeah. is not um, completely to the right side where the valley is. Most of the time, it was really um, easy to glide out there. And, um, and also, um, if you don't know the glider, I was flying there quite slow. And this was, I was really um, close to the ridge and I was slow and these two things are not um, safe. And yeah, the, the margin was not great, but I I was flying there for, um, or I was stuck there in this, let's say, valley um, and trying to catch a thermal and the thermals died. There was nothing really left. And then I tried this ridge. I dumped all my water ballast. It was completely dry. And this ace 29 with uh, 18 meter wingspan and without water ballast, it's so lightweight. And also the yeah. um, minimum speed is quite slow. Um, so I still had at least 20 kilometers an hour margin there on the on the stall uh, on the speed between stall speed and my flying speed so yeah and it looked like the wind was very consistent and so you weren't gusty or anything like that yeah. it, it, you know yeah that sometimes was, the mountains can be easy and that was one of the easier days not that yeah. it was easy to you know to get out but it was easy to stay up it sounds like yes yes and um yeah i i had a look at the weather previously a lot um, because the the thermals died and the, the wind conditions were really consistent. So um, I thought, well, let's try it. And then you get into this flow um, where you don't think it is dangerous. Um, you just want to continue. You want to get back home somehow. And you don't think um, it is really dangerous. It's just fun to fly there really low at the ridge. But I didn't think so much anymore than after the first let's say five or 10 minutes on the ridge. It just continued like I did previously. And then I also cut out some parts when I made some eighths at the, at the ridge right. to, to get up a little bit more. But also it, with it, this it, video, you learn so much because if you don't publish a video, um, you think, yeah, what I was flying there, it was all fine. But if you publish the video and everything, everyone says it is, um, you can't do this. And then you, you really um, think about it and next time perhaps you or next time you won't do it the same so i think it is also good to learn for myself now uh, th thank you for you know sharing that and your humility about it and willingness to learn let's talk about the three highest viewed gliding videos on the internet and you are the first two and i'm the third one and so let's start with uh uh, the, 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 the title of this uh, video of yours, it's spectacular glider touchdown in rain, and it has been viewed 22 million times. And, um, I can tell you that's not 22 million glider pilots that have watched it. That have been probably 22 point, you know, nine, you know, 975,000 are non glider pilots that have seen that. So 
this is, it's a great video. It's, it's only two, two minutes, 19 seconds. Yeah. And t tell us where is, what city is this that you're landing in? It's called Pavulo. It's in Italy. And it was at the first e-glide competition. Um, there I was flying oh. the LS8 e-neo from DG directly from the factory. And okay. Yeah. All right. So, 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 so that's the place and to put it into perspective. So, so Stefan and, and Stefan and, and I, we, uh, we still release videos and, you know, some of the videos that we release will only get seven to 10,000 views. Others, for whatever reason, wins the cosmic lottery and it <laughs> then gets to 22 million views. So in your mind, what in the world, why did this video get so many views? I've got some ideas, but I want to hear from you, your ideas first. Um, why did this, why did this video go above and beyond? So first of all, this video um, was easy to watch for everyone. He, uh, so the, the viewer doesn't need to know anything about gliders. Um, and the scenery, it was, yeah, a little bit close to buildings. Um, also, um, with these, uh, with this light rain on the windshield, yeah, it looks yeah. somehow cool. And some compared it also with um, Microsoft Flight Simulator and so on. So the, the the scenery and the picture was really great, and the action was also, let's say, dramatic. And then at the end, it was a completely smooth landing, and this contrast was great. But yeah, I didn't plan anything for this video and I didn't want yeah. to publish this video previously, but then I had seen this footage and then I thought, yeah, just upload it. And, uh, and, yeah, and here you are. Yeah. It, it so was... uh, the thing that I think is, is for whatever reason, the coloring of the video, both of the thumbnail and of the video itself um, is, is very vibrant, even though it's a darker overcast day. Um, you, you have very vibrant colors. Did you do post editing color correction on that? And, and even what color, uh, what kind of camera did you use on that one? Um, the camera was a DJI Osmo action. Um, it's an action cam from the drone manufacturer, um, okay. comparable to the GoPro these days. And I'm not sure if I changed anything with the colors, perhaps the saturation a little bit, but nothing else it was just cut at the beginning and at the end was one of the videos which were really easy to edit and but the thumbnail was um edited a lot uh, so yeah they really try to um yeah get the most out of this thumbnail usually i don't focus so much on thumbnails but um this time i i tried a little bit more and i'm not completely sure why it got this these million views. Um, of course, it was cool to watch and it was also good to share because it's a, a shorter video. Also, some people or a lot of people are discussing um, they are commenting on this video if it is a simulator or not, um, perhaps even if it is legal or not to fly there so close to the buildings. And also for the algorithm, it was great because I had um, some other videos around this video, which um, were more popular and I got more views than these uh, 10,000 views. So um, yeah, other videos helped as well. And also I think your videos helped a lot in this time because um, they also got more views. Um, so it was not, I had two videos which, um, watched a lot of times and you also had a video at the same time performing really good.
Aerox, the number one in portable and engineered aviation oxygen systems, your source for FAA-approved oxygen masks and portable oxygen systems, and now introducing the Aerox Pro 2 Plus Flight Bag portable oxygen system. Small, lightweight, and simple to use, the Pro 2 Plus is perfect for the occasional user who wants the flexibility to access higher altitudes without worry about flying impaired. Now available at Aerox Distributors and at Aerox.com. So remember, our friends at Aerox, engineered for aviators. Yeah, and so so it was, uh, we were kind of, YouTube was cross-promoting each other at the same time. So yeah, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so so that's the first one. And we're going to go back to... um, uh, we're already at 54 minutes into this, but, uh, you know, hey, this is great. Do you have a few few more minutes? Because I'm yes, really enjoying course. this. Okay, <laughs> yeah, wonderful. I, I'm, I'm loving you. this. Okay, so uh, the second most popular video is, again, one of yours. And this one, uh, this one took some work. This one took some preparation. <laughs> so it's the world's first air-to-air aero toe by hand. So this is where, you know, Stefan, you know, thinks, hey, I'm going to put my arm out the small little tiny window and I'm going to try to grab um, this flying. um, It looks like it's soft. So if it hits your your glider, it's okay. But basically, you're trying to grab a, a tow line from a tow plane that's flying in front of you. So that way it can tow you up while you're just holding it. And yeah. it, that one has 6.4 million videos. So here's one where it definitely took some preparation and you pulled it off. Uh, people enjoyed it and it, it looks like you didn't crash and die. So what was that <laughs> yeah. like? Yeah, it, uh, it was a dream of mine um, to do such a t- stupid thing. I think it was really a dream during night. And um, I had this stupid idea to try to fly really close to this rope and um, wrap it with the hand. I was not completely sure if it is really, um, if I can um, withstand the force to um, to make level flight or so. This was more a joke and also a little bit of clickbait in the title. But um, that's sometimes you need to do is with YouTube uh, stuff. Um, yeah, we'll talk <laughs> about that in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, yeah, I did some preparations um, uh, I needed to convince my dad that he uh, will tow me <laughs> because he was flying the um, the plane. And then we had, I think, two two days, two evenings where we flew in really calm air. So there were no thermals and uh, so on. So it's really easy to, to catch this um, tow rope. And at the beginning, we had problems because it was um, oscillating or turning up and down and so on yes. so it, it wasn't really possible to grab and then we tried to improve it a little bit we put around the rope some form so that the metal rings are covered and won't damage my canopy uh, so yeah I, I had to prepare it really and uh, then it was great that this video was also watched <laughs> sometimes but yeah, yeah. again 6.4 million views and uh, you know, it, that that's only a 3 minute and 30 30 second video so um, if you haven't seen these videos, you know, just do a quick uh, search. By the way, um, and this may be because of uh, my personal settings or whatever, but um, when I type in just the word gliding in YouTube, 
um, your video, you know, the, the spectacular glider touchdown is one of the first recommended. And so, you know, that, that's kind of fun. And then the, you know, the third most popular video is, uh, is my infamous, um, air show video mm. where, um, you know, I was asked to fly an impromptu air show performance and I did not have the, uh, credentials or the permission from the FAA. And that uh, resulted in a seven month suspension and I almost lost my license. Uh, but Hey, the video has 5.5 million views. <laughs> so at least yeah. I'm sharing what not to do. Um, yeah. and, uh, that, that's the reason why I've been really quiet for the last couple of years. Cause yeah. even though I got my license back, it's been emotionally very difficult to, to, to go through that because I, uh, I fought that really hard and, uh, eventually yeah. I just it's got stomped on, but so much more important to be able to have the license and to fly glider than publish some videos um, for others. And um, yeah, I, I completely feel you with this video. And um, some weeks later, I also did a yeah, small performance at uh, air show. And there it was a great help to know that you really need to take care of the regulations and everything. And uh, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. with the, with my other video, um, when I, caught the tow rope in flight you also are not sure if there is something uh, if it's completely legal if it might be somehow illegal especially now if you have a wider audience you really um, take care and think twice before you upload a video and it's something which is not so much fun anymore i think also with the cloud clearances and then yes. someone says you should be a good example, fly safe, do everything correct and so on. So the, yeah. the younger generation well, it, don't pick up with and do the it same. It sounds like you and I are saying, saying the exact same thing. And that is, uh, number one, it, you know, fly, fly the right rules and, and don't break rules. And then number two, you know, don't upload things. But if you're, if you're flying the rules and flying correctly, then there's nothing that you have to worry about. But um, you know, just a quick FYI, at least to American pilots, when I was going through my debacle, um, I, I talked to the prosecutor. I became kind of friends with him, um, even though uh, he was on the other side. And I asked him in, in, in a conversation when all was said and done, I said, I really don't want to get in trouble again. And I said, you know, um, so you know, if I'm too close to a cloud, can I get in trouble? He said, yes. I said, if I'm flying on a ridge line and I pass by a hiker mm -hmm. and, you know, so I'm within 500 or, you know, or less feet of him, can I get in trouble? And he said, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? And, and so it, it really shows you, um, not that they will definitely come down on you, but, uh, you know, if we post things on the internet, if you pass by a hiker, be aware, um, the FAA, uh, an FAA prosecutor has told me you can get in trouble for that. So you know, whether you agree with that or not, just be very, very careful with, um, you know, what you do share on the internet uh, yeah, yeah. to, to everybody. Have, and you have commented on one of my Instagram, I think videos or so, um, the same thing that you, that I should take care with hikers and so on. And, and yeah. that's because I cared about you. I wasn't yes. trying to preach. Yeah, yeah no, I'm no, like, don't no, get in no, trouble. <laughs> it was great that you did so. And um, yeah, it's really something which is, difficult um, with aviation things uh, at 
on the road when you drive a car and so on there are really strict rules for everything it is a lot easier i would say we have a lot of freedom in uh, when flying a glider that's also true but um yeah some rules yeah. are not so strict and not really well uh well structured or yeah i don't know agreed well hey, that was kind of that was kind of the bummer part of the uh of of this podcast you know that now we're all depressed and we're talking about getting in trouble let's let's end this on on, on a positive and um let's talk the last portion of this about some of the tips and some of the the tricks that you know you and i do when we are making videos uh that can help others to uh, hopefully, you know, get their videos seen as well. And let's, I want to start with this preface and that is, and Stefan already said this or Stefan, uh, I'm still trying to get your name right. Um, we are not competing against each other. So, uh, you know, my videos views are not competing against Stefan's. When I take a look at my analytics on my videos, uh, it was not you know, when I get millions of views, it was not because somebody was typing in, I want to see a flying video. I want to see a glider video. Not at all. You know, very few of my views are actually pilots or somebody interested even in gliding. What it is, is for whatever reason, the YouTube gods have de determined that this is interesting content and I'm going to suggest it to somebody. And, you know, and we're going to talk about some of the tricks if they find it interesting and compelling and a, they click on it and B they spend time looking at it. So they don't just then leave. And then number three, if they like or comment, then YouTube says, Hey, people like this, I'm going to show more of this and they're going to keep suggesting it. So uh, let's start with you. What are a couple of the tricks to get people to even click on the video and, and, and to watch it? Yeah, first of all, uh, it's the thumbnail and the title, uh, which is really important. Um, but I'm also not the best example for <laughs> these type of things. Um, I should focus. Hey, you're number on one. You, what what yeah, you're doing but, is working. Uh, so, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's also not not perfect and could be better, could be even better. Um, so this is the first impression so that someone clicks on this content. And of course, you also need to have these hashtags or I don't know how to call them, these um, keywords. But then at the end, it is important to have good content in the first perhaps 10 or 30 seconds as well, so that if yeah. they start watching it, they continue um, this video and don't click on another video then. Of course, it is important to have good content, um, to have perhaps a story. It doesn't need to be filmed really professional. I think there I went a little bit too far also with the Namibia videos. It is great to see other type of videos as well and good quality videos. But um, for YouTube, it doesn't matter so much. So you can even take your um, smartphone or your action cam and just film and talk to it. And I think nowadays it's also more important to have a story behind it. So, um, yeah, that you don't... You're not only publishing a video with some music behind. Um, it, would, it is better if you have some kind of story telling something. And um, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, you mentioned the thumbnail, and I would totally agree with this. Just be aware when you upload a video on YouTube, they give you, um, they, they pick three thumbnails that you can choose from. However, you can upload a custom thumbnail. 
And so um, my guess is, is that at least with me, every single one of my thumbnails, what I've done is I've taken a screen capture of the video. And then um, oftentimes, like what you said, I will color enhance it, you know, just Mm -hmm. to make it as perfect as possible. So that way you can have the perfect thumbnail to do it. So um, we highly recommend using a custom thumbnail, uh, you know, of the very best representation of, you know, of that flight, you know, what, what's the most compelling. So, um, all right, that, that, that's great. What about camera mounts? You do have a video where you do talk about how you do kind of camera mounts. Um, mm-hmm. Have you done very many camera mounts where it's mounted on the outside and inside and you have different ones? Do you have 360? You know, what, um, so what about to, all this thing, multiple cameras? So most of the time I'm just using a GoPro or this DJI Osmo Action Cam inside the cockpit and uh, filming the the instrument panel like you do the same i think so because it is not affecting the um, glide performance of the glider it doesn't right. distract anything on the airflow and um, there's also something which is yeah not really safe or not really legal to use and um, perhaps to mount the um, camera on the outside on let's say the wing or so um, this might get you into trouble. I'm not completely sure if it does, but um, yeah, there you should take care. And some years ago, I mounted the action cam on the wing, a little bit more to the inside. And with a standard lebel, there was a vortex um, generated oh. by the action cam. And I really f- was feeling it on the uh, elevator that there were some other air movement so take care about this um yeah. you can already make great content great videos uh, when filming um, in the cockpit you can use even your phone or another camera to film outside um of the the small window then also the selfie stick uh, kind of things also with a, a 360 camera um you can do it and don't need to mount anything outside of the glider how do you do you also know that you uh most of the time you also have the camera inside of the cockpit and don't mount it on the outside do you have any good mounting options there well um yeah i i I probably will start doing more outside camera uh shots Uh, i've got some really exciting things i'm planning for for this year where they're going to be interesting and I think exciting flights, but they're not going to be very long. And so I don't need to worry about the performance problem. Mm -hmm. So at least with my videos, I'm hoping to have a lot more outside shots, Um, you know, both on the tail and and on the wing and maybe on the fuselage. And and I agree with you, you have to be very careful about how you mount it and, uh, you know, the safety of it and, you know, the legalities of it. But uh, um, I've not done very many. I've done a couple where it's on the outside and, and, and it's fun, but, uh, it depends on what what your flight is going to be. I mean, quite frankly, for me, when I go, um, the reason why I have videos is just because I go flying and I happen to take a video camera with me. If something interesting happens, I'll post it. If not, you know, there's, I'm sure you you as well. That we've got a bunch of videos where we've never. It's not interesting, mm-hmm. and so we're not going to share it. You know, yeah, um, a lot of uh, hard drives with a lot of material. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's a huge amount of storage space which you need for these yeah. 4K videos. 
So, so, so something that I used to do is I used to do it where, uh, you know, I'd start the camera, stop the, stop the camera when I thought something's going to happen. And now I pretty much just mount a camera. I start playing it before the launch and it just goes the entire four or five, six hours. And if something happens, I can take a little snippet or I can do the whole thing. So uh, my recommendation is try to videotape the entire flight and, you know, GoPros, uh, you know, oftentimes they'll overheat. There's other problems. Battery is a problem. You know, it might last if you're lucky an hour and a half, but you can do external batteries with a USB into the camera. And that's how I'm achieving, you know, six or seven hour flights. Also, you know, you can get a bigger HD card. So that way, um, you know, you can actually have enough, you can, you can film it in 4k and still have a, you know, a really long flight. So that, that would be, you know, a recommendation. So film everything. And, you know, sometimes it might be interesting. I have a couple of landouts where I wish I filmed it, but I was so stressed low trying to get high. And then at the end I'm landing out, I wasn't going to be messing with starting a camera at that moment. I wished I would have had it running, you know, beforehand. So, um, you never know. You might be flying and all of a sudden you have an eagle flying right with you. Well, if you're trying to turn on a camera at, at that moment, you know, you've already lost it. Mm. So, I mean, my recommendation is film everything. Wings and Wheels has been serving the soaring and sport aviation community for over 30 years. They hands down have the largest and most comprehensive inventory of sailplane and soaring supplies in North America. And they ship globally. Nearly everything you'll find on their site is in stock and ready for same-day shipping. Wings and Wheels is the exclusive American representative for HPH sailplanes. Be sure to check out the Twin Shark, their latest launch. They're also now the exclusive distributor in North America for the new Just Soaring Glider Sim Pro. The team has thousands of hours of flying experience in gliders and airplanes, staffed by Adam, Kelly, Julie, and Sean. A friendly voice will answer when you call or email them. Check them out at wingsandwheels.com. And, you know, the the bits are free, you know. Mm, yeah. So I am trying not to film everything because it is so much work in the post-production to pick the sequences which are interesting and so on. And also the the storage which you need uh, if you really store everything you, you recorded. Yeah. Um, but... What is really great also just for your personal um, experience and you can learn a lot when you mount camera and um, have a look afterwards how the clouds uh, look like, which decision you made and so on. So it is also for the learning process of um, glider flying. It's really interesting to um, put a camera into your cockpit and um, just use it for you, for yourself as well. So um, you don't need to have a big YouTube channel um, you should and should try to do this but um, yeah there are also other things which can help a lot when you film these videos okay when I uh, when I've got a new video I'm ready to release it and I've done everything I've optimized the title uh, the description everything like that um, I will save it as a private video or uh, actually a scheduled video and what that does is it gives enough time once it's been uploaded for then it the processing to occur for the high definition. If you just release it immediately, the first people that see the video is only in low definition. And so they're going to be more likely to not, not watch it as long. So a tip is 
um, give it some time before it actually releases for it to then process. So when people are watching it, it's in the HD. Second thing, um, and I saw this on a tip somewhere, is take a look at when your videos get the most views um, during the day, and that's when you should be launching new videos. So for mm -hmm. me, it's 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time is when you're going to see my videos actually releasing. And it might be different for you oh. and your videos. And your, but so I actually launch it at 9 a.m. because that's when my videos are getting the most views. If you think <laughs> about it, in Europe, it's around 5 o'clock in the evening. So we got Americans and Europeans looking at it. So I do that. The other thing I do is as soon as I launch my video, I will then share it on Facebook with my friends. I got a couple of friends on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, quick, watch this video. It just came out. And so YouTube algorithm is seeing, okay, it just launched. We've got people coming from other websites to see it and it helps to maybe get a little bit more critical mass. So, um, it doesn't always work. I mean, I, I put out some videos in the last month and I was really excited about them and you know, they've gotten maybe seven or 10,000 views. But um, it just helps a little bit more for possibly the spark to happen within the algorithm where YouTube says, I'm going to really start, you know, blowing this up. So not everyone blows up, but, you know, you'll see. Then my last one um, that I'm going to recommend is you don't know what YouTube is going to like. So, for example, Stefan, Stefan said the spectacular glider touchdown in the rain. He wasn't even going to put it on. That's the most gliding, uh, most popular gliding video in the world. Uh, one of my videos, it was I was behind a slow tow plane, and um, I'm like, you know, I wasn't. But I think that's gotten three or four million views, and I I wasn't even going to post it. So you don't know what's gonna, you know, what's going to be uh, viral. People have been sitting here for an hour and fifteen minutes going. That's all they have to say. But yeah, that's the best we got, guys. You know, we're, we're doing our best. Um, Let's uh, let's finish this off with uh, any final words from you. So um, anything that you want to tell anybody or anything that you're excited coming up for, or, um, let's finish off with what you have to, to share with us. It was great to talk with you. Um, I only have seen your videos and now really am talking with you directly. It's great. I hope that we meet somehow in, uh, in the United States, um, perhaps this year, next year. Um, would be fun to fly together, to do some videos together. And yeah, to all others, um, thanks for listening. And also, we hope that you get into filming some gliding content, publish it on social media or send it to your friends and so on. Would be great for the whole gliding community. And yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, hey, you've said it and I've said it. So let's make this a reality. So it sounds like both Stefan and I want him to come and fly out of Nephi. This year is going to be completely crazy for both of us. But um, let's make the commitment now that we start working towards 2023. Let's get you out to, to Utah. We'll both make some videos together. And uh, should we make that a, a reality? Yes, this would be a, a big oh, that, dream, a huge dream. Oh, that'd be fun. All right. We're, we're going to make it happen. So we but just then, said it here. But then you need also to come here to Germany some uh, someday uh, and fly here. <laughs> I, I, I so want to. I'm actually in France in, in April of this year, ah. um, but uh, right. not unfortunately not flying. But uh, I, I, yeah, I will get there and, and I'll fly with you too. Right. Hey, been very uh, wonderful getting to know you. And 
Um, I wish you the best and be safe and looking forward to your videos. So goodbye, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed this and I hope you continue to enjoy the, uh, this, this uh, podcast. So thank you for Chuck and everybody else at Soaring the Sky uh, giving us this opportunity. And we wish you all a very happy and safe 2022. Bye. Bye. Hi everyone, Sergio from Soaring Master here with tips and advice about soaring and cross-country flying. Flying a new sailplane type is always a great moment. And in order to make this a safer event, let's talk about good practices for every flight with a new sailplane type. First things first, read the sailplane's manual thoroughly. Know its limitations and specifics by heart. Talk to other pilots who have already flown the type before and ask for their impressions about the aircraft handling. Make a careful external inspection. If the sailplane has just been assembled, make a positive control check. The first flight should be done without water ballast in a nice day without strong crosswinds. Take your time and do some cockpit familiarization. Relax and accommodate yourself, as it might be a more complex type of sailplane, for instance with flaps, or with more complex avionics, use a checklist. Take your time to get acquainted with the cockpit layout and instruments panel. Take your time for preparations, and then take the sailplane to the flight line. Any rush should be designed to stop. As you are not acquainted with the sailplane response yet, be gentle with the commands. Large amplitude inputs, mainly with the longitudinal axis, should be avoided. Try to maintain a proportional approach. Apply the inputs proportional to the desired response. Never overshoot your command input and wait for the sailplane's response. Once airborne, leave the landing gear down until your toe is over and then retract it so you can get acquainted with the force needed to command it. Choose a suitable area and explore the low speed handling of your sailplane. Gradually reduce speed, identify the pre-stall warnings, like buffeting or any other vibration, perform a stall to, for you to get to know what the sailplane's behavior is, test the air brakes and see their effect on pitch attitude and airspeed control. After this, enjoy the ride, enjoy the sailplane's handling and performance. When the time comes for the approach, focus on your speed control during the entire process. If you have done everything mentioned here, there shall be no handling surprises by then, and you have already explored the aircraft handling and its envelope. If you are going to fly a vintage sailplane for the first time, be aware that the speeds involved will be very different from what you were used to with last ships. Ballooning after the landing flare due to excess speed is a common error, and a flight in a vintage twin-seater is a must in these cases. I wish you happy flying with lots of different sailplane types. See you in the next one, guys. For more tips, follow me on Instagram at SorryMaster or check my website, SorryMaster.com. If you would like to say hi and let us know where you are enjoying the podcast, we would love to hear from you. 
If you are a glider pilot and want to share your aviation journey, contact us at chuck at soaringthesky.com or send us a message on our website at soaringthesky.com and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next time for another soaring adventure here on Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilots podcast. Soaring the Sky is written and produced by Chuck Fulton, co-producer Mitch Thompson. Original music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton. Voiceover work was done by Michelle Perez.